Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. This week, thousands of Minnesota high school students walked out of class and marched to the state capitol demanding legislation to protect our schools. They started their rally at Central High School in St. Paul and began a march to the capitol. It's part of a national movement in response to the deadly school shooting last month in Parkland, Florida. Just a couple of hours before that, Governor Dayton announced his plan for school safety and reducing gun violence. According to the governor, there have been 21 threats against Minnesota schools in the last three weeks. He unveiled what he's calling the Safe and Secure Schools Act, and he wants it in place by next school year. The governor is calling for nearly $16 million to be used for safety upgrades at school facilities and also for intervention and support for expelled students. He is also calling for an additional $5 million to strengthen mental health programs at schools. We all uh, have a responsibility, and, uh, and I have a mission to prevent the school tragedies from, from occurring. And uh, I don't know if this is a complete solution. I said before, I'm open to considering anything and everything. Now, the Minnesota House also heard a few bills aimed at diverting existing funds for long-term school maintenance to safety and security uses. There are also several proposals under review that would help reduce gun violence and make it harder for criminals and minors to access guns. One of those bills would raise the minimum age to possess semi-automatic assault-style weapons from 18 to 21. Average citizens, and especially teenagers, don't need to have that amount of access to that type of firearm. There are exceptions to the age limit. For example, anyone in the armed forces, a police officer, or those under the direct supervision of a parent or guardian. Representative Ilan Omar and Senator Sandy Pappas introduced another public safety bill this week. The bill would eliminate the statute of limitations for criminal sexual conduct and sex trafficking. Having uh, these, these kind of limitations takes away um, the choice uh, for them to come forward when they feel like it is right for them. Representative Omar says the bill has bipartisan support. Senator Tina Smith is working to find a solution for an impending pension problem affecting 22,000 Minnesotans. The U.S. Senator met with a group of workers at the St. Paul Labor Center at risk of losing at least half of their pensions. These are people who did everything right. They paid in, they sacrificed, they worked long hours, they worked many, many years for the promise that when they were done, and hard work, when they were done that there was going to be a pension there so that they could take care of themselves. The senator was appointed to a new bipartisan panel working to address the underfunding with the central state's pension fund. She says Democrats from the committee met this week and they will meet with Republicans on the committee next week. Minnesota lawmakers are considering new legislation for people who misrepresent their pets as trained service animals. Separate bills in the House and Senate would make it a crime, punishable with a fine. Joe Mazin has a look at what some are calling a disturbing trend. At Blind Incorporated in Minneapolis, you'll find Martha Harris. She teaches Braille here. Just a few feet from Martha's feet, you'll find her special assistant, Jory as you can see, sometimes lies down on the job. She's very helpful for me. Martha is blind, and Jory, her service dog, is nearly always by her side. I take her pretty much all the time if I'm 
flying anywhere, taking the bus or the train. No doubt, Jory is a real service animal. This is a huge problem for people with disabilities. At the state capitol this day, the focus was on fake ones. We've seen many articles about people faking service animals. You see people bringing their, you know, kangaroo into McDonald's or emotional support peacock onto an airplane or whatever it may be. Now a pair of bills in the House and Senate would make misrepresenting a pet as a service animal a petty misdemeanor crime, punishable with a $100 fine. It's inappropriate, it's immoral, and uh, we want to make it clearly illegal with this legislation. Some call it a victimless crime. But don't tell that to Alan Peters, who trains service dogs. Having uh, fake dogs enter public places distracts our dogs, causes them to not be able to do their jobs properly. And that brings us back to Martha and Jory. I think it could be helpful. Martha supports legislation making sure a service animal is a service animal. Don't let Jory's cute face fool you. She's the real deal. Joe Mazin, 5 Eyewitness News. Supporters say passing off untrained pets as service animals is like parking in a handicapped space when you're not entitled to. The state technology agency called Minute or MinIT is coming under fire from Republican state leaders in response to the rocky rollout of the state's licensing and registration system known as MinLARS. A new Senate bill would essentially dismantle MinIT and a House bill would require the agency to use existing software vendors before building its own software, like Minlar's, to handle state services. This week, former White House ethics lawyer and current University of Minnesota law professor Richard Painter tells us he's forming an exploratory committee to look into running as a Republican for the U.S. Senate. I have seen corruption firsthand. I have seen corruption in Washington, D.C. And I will emphasize that the corruption we see today is not to be blamed principally on President Donald Trump, even though I've criticized him. It is to be blamed on the role of money in politics. Painter is looking at a U.S. Senate seat that was held by Al Franken and is currently being filled by Tina Smith, who also said she is running. Republican State Senator Karen Housley is also running for that seat. A bipartisan group of state legislators has introduced a bill to raise Minnesota's minimum age for tobacco purchases from 18 to 21. Most of the cities that you'll see that have uh, uh, the, this legislation in place already, and their cities are metropolitan cities, I would like this law to reach throughout rural Minnesota. And the way to do that is for Minnesota to lead with this statewide measure. Lawmakers say most smokers start before they turn 21. Preventing teens from using tobacco could drive down health care costs in the long run. If the bill passes, Minnesota would be the sixth state to increase its smoking age to 21. Five Minnesota cities have already independently increased the tobacco buying age. Well, this year's high school boys hockey tournament is now in the books. Coming up, as we look ahead to the 75th anniversary of the event, we'll show you an exciting project we're working on in our extensive film archives. You'll also get a peek at a former state senator. The 74th annual Minnesota Boys State High School Hockey Tournament has officially wrapped up in St. Paul. And there are already big plans in the works to celebrate next year's 75th anniversary. Here's a preview of what we have in store. Our film archive dates back nearly 70 years and includes hundreds of what we consider 
priceless state high school hockey tournament clips. The oldest we've uncovered so far, this film from the 1955 tournament at the St. Paul Auditorium, eventually won by St. Paul Johnson. We've also found film of annual hockey banquets sponsored by the St. Paul JCs, like this 1962 clip featuring a Hall of Fame face, Coach Larry Ross of International Falls. These were the teams playing in the 1962 state tournament. From that same tournament, we've found what appears to be the first tournament color highlights of a game between Edina Morningside and South St. Paul. Edina scores here, but South St. Paul goes on to win this quarterfinal game with future Minnesota Senate President Jim Metzen in goal for South St. Paul. Bob Shattuck, Jr., win. Mike Coopie, Jr., win. Greg Hughes, Jr., center. We've also found classic scenes of players introducing themselves on camera at pre-tournament practices. Not much hockey hair here, but some great eyewear. Tom Johnson, I'm a defenseman, I'm a junior, a senior. Walker Johnson, I'm a wing. We even found a St. Paul Johnson player who grew up to eventually run the state hockey tournament for the Minnesota State High School League. Skip Peltier, sophomore. You've had two previous teams in the state tournament play. Would you say this is your best team? Oh, it's hard to compare them. Uh, 1950, we brought an excellent team over there, and uh, they were big and strong. And we've uncovered some classic interviews with tournament coaches making predictions. Well, it's only natural that we get a favorite role, uh, having won the tournament a year ago, and then having perhaps the best record coming into the tournament. When you get down here, you all have a chance, but right now it looks like the way they talk and it'll be the Falls and probably Johnson as far as the favorite. As far as any particular favorite, I think you'd have to say uh, the Falls are strong. Rosa, of course, is always strong. As it turns out, St. Paul Johnson beat International Falls in the 1963 state championship. We can't wait to bring you more sights and sounds from 75 years of the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament coming in 2019. And the running joke when we were putting that piece together at the end, you hear the woman yelling, come on, you guys, get on it. We think that was the first hockey mom ever. <laughs> first hockey mom. Uh, those are some great clips. You know, the Minnesota State High School League does a great job on that tournament. They are also planning some 75th anniversary uh, events. They're trying to get Minnesotans to share their memories, maybe even artifacts for a display out at the XL Energy Center. And it really is going to be a wonderful time. And how fun was it? You served with Jim Metzen yes. in the state Senate. How fun was it to see him in goal? I'm sure you heard about his hockey exploits, but you'd never seen video of him. Never had seen that before. But what I remember about him is when he authored the most popular bill ever, which was the Mighty Ducks bill, yes. <laughs> which had more ice rinks everywhere, <laughs> and you didn't dare vote against it. And I used to see him playing hooky over at the uh, high school hockey tournament, which I've been doing now for about 12 or 13 years, and you'd see guys like Senator Tomasoni and, of course, Wendell Anderson, our uh, former governor, late former governor, 
whose biggest regret, uh, Annette, in his life was that he never got to play in the state high school hockey tournament. Tells you how formative your high school years are you, when you <laughs> remember that after so many achievements. U.S. Senator, Governor, I wish I, were my, yeah, yeah. I wish I were on my high school hockey team. Yeah, he was an Olympian, Governor and all this, but he didn't get to play in the high school hockey. Um. No, he was on the team. They just never made the tournament while he was there. So anyway, a lot of fun. It was a fun tournament. You can tell I've almost lost my voice again because of it, but uh, next year is going to be very fun with the 75th anniversary. Now, speaking of schools, uh, on a much more serious topic, Governor Dayton uh, unveiled his proposals for making schools more uh, safe, and we've heard from lawmakers in both the House and the Senate. What's the likelihood they're going to agree on something to do with school safety? We'll talk about gun control in a moment. I think it's very likely. I think there's a lot of a lot of concern, especially the mental health money and some of the other components that the governor put together in his proposal. And I think people do want to do something to make sure we can assure these high school kids we care about you and we want you to be safe. And, and there is bipartisan agreement. Something needs to be done. Of course, as always, there's Who's going to pay for it? Where's the money going to come from? Should we use existing funds or should we create a new pot of money? Where are they likely to find agreement? Well, I think they'll be willing to find money from both new funds and existing funds. Again, that is something everyone agrees on. We can't do enough in that area. But I, for one, as you sort of just said, feel that's just a part of the solution. Unfortunately, it's all that the governor thinks might get passed, which is why that's what he proposed, but he still favors other kinds of gun safety measures. And before we get to gun safety, he did also kind of extend an olive branch to Republicans, $5 million for mental health programs, which Republicans think is a very important part of this. And so there is some, perhaps, agreement on that as well. I think there's a lot of agreement. And I also think there's a lot of agreement on the training, some of the professionals that deal with, with these troubled high school students, whether that's student counselors or the, the teachers themselves. But I think they'll find a lot of commonality, and they'll pass something pretty meaningful this year. Now let's get to the, the tougher part of this. That is uh, universal background checks, raising the age of uh, when you can buy a gun or even possess a gun. These things are very controversial, staunchly opposed by the NRA. Yes, but Governor Rick Scott of Florida just signed a bill that did have some of these provisions that the NRA did not like, including raising the age of when you can buy an assault weapon uh, to the age of 21. Um, and I believe that needs to be done here. I believe we need to have background checks and, and the red flag bill where you can just take a breather, take the gun away until you can assess the mental health of an individual. What's the likelihood Republicans are going to get on board with anything that the NRA is opposed to? I think there's zero likelihood Republicans and even zero likelihood a lot of Iron Range Democrats. I think there's not a lot of consensus. You have to remember the facts. We've had two uh, homicides in 2016, the last year for which data is available, uh, committed by a long gun. That's not our problem. Our problem seems to be guns that are fungible. They're coming in with felons holding firearms they shouldn't have. Sixty percent of all the murders in Chicago were committed by felons who bought a gun in another state. They shouldn't have had them in the first place. We've got to make sure we enforce the rules that we have, first of all. All right. Uh, final word, 10 seconds. Well, in Florida, just to, just to know, 87% of those people wanted to have a waiting period in that. That's something that's common sense, background checks, common sense, high level of public support. That's what should prevail here. All right, just an example of how difficult it's going to be in the legislature to reach agreement on this because they've been trying for many years and it hasn't happened yet. But, Ember and Annette, thanks for being here. Faceoff is up next, but first, a big move in Florida, as you just heard, when it comes to gun laws. Plus, Minnesotans react to the big announcement about a possible meeting between President Trump and the leader of North Korea.
911. Yep, we need your help. A danger you can't see or smell. All of a sudden, his body went rigid, and his eyes were just staring up. Until it's too late. We were losing him if we didn't act incredibly fast. Tonight at 10, 5 Eyewitness News helps you find hidden sources of carbon monoxide. If it can happen to us, it can happen to anybody. That could put your family at risk. Is he conscious and breathing? He's breathing right now. Tonight on 5 Eyewitness News at 10. Upgrade your commute with my morning traffic report and a new ride. Register to win a two-year lease on a 2019 Infiniti QX50 at the Twin Cities Auto Show. Visit the Auto Show at the Minneapolis Convention Center to enter. Diamonds at their lowest prices ever. Certified three-quarter carat rings are just $11.90, one carat $17.90, two carat $29.50 per carat. Thousands of GIA diamonds at insane prices, plus over 50% savings on custom designs. Buy direct the Jewelry Exchange Egan. If you thought replacement windows weren't in the budget this year, we've got great news. For one month only, Renewal by Anderson is having a flash sale on our windows and patio doors. Before March 31st, buy one window or patio door, get your next one 40% off. Plus, save an additional $100 on every window and patio door. We're the full-service replacement window division of Anderson, and they've been building windows for 115 years. So you're getting a fantastic deal on a window that will really last. During this sale, buy one window or patio door and get your next one 40% off. And save an additional $100 on every window and patio door you replace with no money down, no payments, and no interest for a year. Our flash sale is one month only and ends March 31st. Call to book your free window diagnosis. 1-800-213-0303. As you heard us mention in passing, the state of Florida is raising the age to buy a rifle. Governor Rick Scott signed a bill raising the minimum rifle purchasing age from 18 to 21. The bill also bans bump stocks and extends the three-day waiting period for handgun sales to include long guns. The National Rifle Association has filed a federal lawsuit over the bill, which, of course, was prompted by that school shooting you're seeing here. The legislation comes three weeks after the school shooting in Parkland, Florida, killed 17 students and staff and renewed the national push for gun control. A Minnesota woman with ties to North Korea says she feels a wide range of emotions as leaders from the U.S. and North Korea talk about a potential meeting Hyun Kim came to the U.S. from South Korea in her 20s, but still has family in North Korea. Now she lives in Roseville, working with the Midwest Alliance for North Korean Refugees, educating Minnesotans about the plight of people and bringing them to safety in the U.S. The meeting between the two world powers could end the nuclear weapons program. I worry every night about war. I have family in North Korea. I have my loving friends in South Korea, and war means death. The White House says the president won't hold the meeting unless North Korean leaders take, quote, concrete steps to address promises they've made about denuclearizing. Those include promises to end their nuclear and missile testing programs and other parts of their program and allow joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises. The time and place of the meeting has not yet been determined. It has also not been determined whether that meeting will actually ever yeah. take place. <laughs> and joining me now, former DFL party chair Mike Erlinson, along with Republican strategist Brian McDaniel. Thank you both for being here. Let's start by talking about North Korea. Uh, for the longest time, 
Americans thought Donald Trump was bringing us to the precipice of nuclear war because of his inflammatory rhetoric toward uh, North Korea. Is it possible he's ultimately had the opposite effect? Well, I mean, let's give some credit where credit is due. It's possible that Donald Trump knows a little bit how to deal with somebody who kind of has, you know, lack of a better word, some megalomaniac uh, tendencies. He, I think he understands him a little bit. And I think that some of, his, uh, some of the things that were lamented by people as being dangerous or off the cup might actually have worked. Or could it just be that the economic sanctions, sanctions against North Korea have just become, have gotten to the point where they just can't deal with it anymore? Well, there's probably no doubt that that's sort of crippling that country over there. But whether the credit is the sanctions or you want to give a little credit to Donald Trump, if we can make steps forward to take nuclear arms away from uh, North Korea, that would be a step forward for the world, really, as the woman said in the earlier uh, interview. You know, war, uh, war is not a good thing, right? And so maybe Kim and uh, John Young also has had the fact that he's been able to build this arsenal or prove that he could do it and launch a few missiles. Maybe that's enough for him with his people. Now he can back down, agree to the sanctions, and let the, let the, let the aid come back to the country. And, of course, one of the things he's looking for is the security of their borders. And so if he can get that, maybe he will decide they don't need the nuclear weapons. But everybody seems to be thinking there's something up his sleeve. Well, I mean, I think that there's no trust there, and I, I would, of course, strongly caution uh, our government not to uh, not to put too much faith in anything that we hear from Un. But I also think that that you know that that country is starving, and we can't underestimate how important that might be, and that that's what should be important to us. And also, protecting ourselves, which means that his uh, his arsenal has to be taken away. All right, let's uh, switch topics. Talk about uh, school safety and gun control again. It was interesting at the state capitol this week, those were the key central issues, not taxes, not economics. It was all about school safety and gun control for the most part. Uh, does that surprise you? And would we be having these discussions if that shooting had not happened in Florida last month? Well, we unfortunately probably wouldn't be having these conversations because of all the other things on the plate at the legislature right now. But, you know, we cannot continue to tolerate, you know, children being gunned down in schools, right? And so, you know, the governor bringing a proposal forward to put more money into the schools is a good thing. Will that be enough? No. Um, and frankly, the $5 million for the mental health stuff is probably not nearly enough. And maybe more money needs to be spent trying to prevent these things from happening, trying to identify these kids at a younger age or before they get to the point where they can buy a gun, whether that's 18 or 21 or 50 for that matter. And we've been through enough school shootings in the past several years to know somehow that isn't enough to enact gun control well, any, in any substantial way. Well, and there's not really going to be anything that's enough. Let's remember that Columbine happened during the time when there was the Clinton assault weapons uh, ban. So there's no way to, to say that we're going to be able to keep all of these guns and other items out of school. But let's also remember we're dealing with constitutional rights here. And, you know, we cannot just willy-nilly, because it would make us feel good that we've done something, say we're going to take away someone else's Second Amendment rights. There are a lot of clamoring from, you know, the voters that they want to see something done. So I think it would be bad if the Republicans did nothing. But also we have to realize constitutional rights should not be taken away for something that we don't know will help. Less than 30 seconds left. We're going to hear a State of the State address from the governor uh, coming up this week. Uh, his final one. Do you expect that to focus more on school safety or on his legacy and economics? That's predicting the unpredictable, I think. You know, I, I think you'll focus on economics. I think you'll focus on early childhood education. And as you're going to focus on this gun debate unless something has taken place before that. What would you like to hear? I want to hear about economics. 
Um, you know, he has tried. He has tried to play uh, the the game of fiscal responsibility. We do have a, a surplus along with the uh, the Republican House and Senate, and I want to hear about that. All right, Brian and Mike, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. State lawmakers go to battle once again, but this time in a grocery bagging competition, all for a good cause. We'll have more on that when we come back. The first rule of bagging groceries, don't put bread or eggs on the bottom. Lawmakers took part in this annual grocery bagging competition put on by the Minnesota Grocers Association. As a former bag boy myself, I had the chance to emcee the event. The winner was Representative Ron Cresha of Little Falls, who was judged the winner on speed and efficiency. He won $1,000 to donate to a food shelf in his district. The Grocers Association also donated $12,500 to Second Harvest Heartland. We like to see what you have to say about Ad Issue. Send us your feedback and let us know what issues you'd like to see on the show. Just write to Ad Issue at KSTP.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Ad Issue, or you can find me on Twitter at T Hauser KSTP. And now you can listen to episodes of Ad Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted on our website. Just head to the Ad Issue page at KSTP.com. That's all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of Ad Issue.